You guys are awesome. I love you. I thank God for you. Those joining us online, we're grateful for you. A bunch of people that came to the nine o'clock service were mad at me because I wore a suit to the Saturday night service. They said, why don't Sunday morning people get a suit? The next time I wear a suit on Sunday morning, it will be a sign of the end of the world and the second coming to Jesus. <laughs> 30 years ago, I said, I swore off suits, um, but I had to do it yesterday. I burned the suit because I sweat so much. And I apologize now for all of those of you that I hug because I'm gross. Those of you in this section over here, I didn't get to you this week. I'm sorry. I'll start with you guys next week, but you lucked out because it was like hugging a frog. Um, you know, if you're here for the first time, I'm really grateful for your presence and that God has brought you and you've caught us on the front end of a new teaching series called Not Perfect. Not Perfect, that's me. Not Perfect, that's you. That's why we all need our perfect Jesus who perfects us. In fact, I want to start with three questions, three Jesus questions. Here's Jesus question number one. If you had the opportunity, one opportunity, what is it, what one request would you make of Jesus? If you had the chance to go one-on-one, -on -one, you could ask for anything, what would be your request? Okay, hold that thought. Question number two, Jesus question number two, uh, is there any sin in your life that prevents Jesus from granting your one request? Think about that. Jesus question number three, Based on your sin, do you ever wonder if Jesus will allow you into his perfect heaven? I mean, do you ever think about that? Do you ever wrestle with that? Uh, Jesus is perfect. His heaven is perfect, and only perfect people are allowed. So where does that leave folks like you and me? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. When you leave today... Someone, as you go out the door, will give you a 10% off coupon for a local tattoo parlor. Have this tattooed on your left thigh. Today's truth, most of the people here know I'm lying. Um, but here's, though I, I do have a lady in our church who said, well, you told me to have a tattooed on my left thigh, and I did. That's awesome. Today's truth, perfect behavior does not get anyone into heaven. Perfect behavior. Isn't that good news? Perfect behavior doesn't get anyone into heaven, but perfect, only perfect love. So I want to know, what's perfect love? What does it look like? How does it feel? Perfect love. Well, I, I want to paint a picture a perfect love. Maybe I should say, I want to reveal, I want to do a big reveal, pull the veil off the picture God painted. A perfect love. But I got to warn you, it's not a pretty picture. It is ugly to the nth degree. It should be rated R. The scene is hideous. It shouts madness. It's a cacophony of confusion and chaos. The only perfect one, the only innocent one, the only sinless one who ever lived, Jesus Christ, in this picture, is having nine-inch nails driven through his wrists and his ankles, pinning him to blood-stained timber. Jesus knew no sin. Jesus did no sin. And yet he finds himself being 
buried in our sin. On the cross, he was carrying your sin and mine. He was our substitute. He was taking our place. He was getting the consequence of everything we've ever done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. He was getting the punishment we all deserve for our sin. And on the cross, Jesus, um, he looks like some um, freak out of a horror flick. His beard has been forcibly pulled out by the roots. I don't know if they got him down, put a knee in his chest, held down his arms. Whatever they did, they pulled his beard out by the roots. All the guys in the room with beards are going, eee. Scripture says his face was beaten beyond recognition. They tore into his back with two whips. Each whip had nine lengths of leather, and at the end of each length was a piece of stone or metal or glass. 39 lashes with those two whips until his back, the, the, the intention of the executioners, and they were professional, was to expose the spinal cord. So I'm going to guess they did their job and they exposed the spinal cord of Jesus so that his back was just one big bloody wound seeping. Gnats and flies attacked his raw flayed flesh and there's nothing he could do about it. He died on the cross for our sin. And um, it was so horrific, so unfair, so wrong, so unjust that the universe just stopped working. The universe just shut down. Here's what the Bible says. It was about noon. The first nail pierced his wrist at nine in the morning. So for these three hours, from nine to noon, he just dangles helplessly between heaven and earth. Look what happens. Darkness came over the whole land at noon, and it lasted until three in the afternoon, for the sun just stopped shining. You do that to the one, the only one who made me, sun says, I'm not working anymore. Shut down for three hours. But before the universe goes dark, we get to listen in on a conversation. It's the final comments. We get to eavesdrop on the final comments of three dying men. Here's how the Bible tells it. Two other men, both criminals, were led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, I've been there six or seven times just outside the old city of Jerusalem, been there with people from our church. It's an appalling compelling, though moving uh, place, knowing what happened there. When they came to the place of the skull, there they crucified him, Jesus, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Come on, dude. Save yourself if you're such big time, big stuff and save us. getting those words out. We don't know how many. Maybe the curses that he attacked Jesus was just one word, profanities. I don't know. All we're given are the eight words that are recorded in the text. But do you have any idea? We can read this entire conversation. What this angry, 
bitter guy rages at Jesus, what the next thief makes a desperate, humble plea, how Jesus responds. We can read the whole three-way conversation in a matter of seconds. But it had to feel like an agonizing, excruciating eternity to those who spoke it. Because uh, crucifixion was hideously designed. Uh, It was meant to make the suffering last as long as possible and be as painful as possible. And when you were crucified, you died of terrifying suffocation. You couldn't breathe. You see, they would drive the nail through the arches of the feet. But they would allow enough movement for the knees to flex. They would put the victim's spread eagle on the crossbeam and then drive uh, the spikes through his wrists. In order to breathe, the victim had to sag all his weight down on his wounded, impaled ankles and then take a breath. In order to speak, in order to say words, it had to be a big breath. Then he had to pull himself up on his wounded wrist and spit out, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. And then sat back down to breathe again. How many ups and downs did it take for eight words? I don't know. But after he spit out those words of sarcasm at Jesus, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself if you are. Save us. Something absolutely unbelievable happens. I don't know how he did it. But the second criminal speaks 39 words. Here's the text. The second criminal rebuked the first. Dude, are you crazy? Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of death, uh, we're punished. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, this Jesus, he has done nothing. He's done nothing wrong. How did he do that? It makes me wonder. I mean, for 39 words, how many times sagging all his weight on his ankles to inhale? pull himself up on his wrist and then speak. How many times did he have to go up and down? Can you imagine? I mean, Jesus on the cross, this fish through the nerve endings, his nerve endings were screaming. It was like an electric fury that arced up his legs, his chest, across his shoulders, up his neck, and just sparked searing pain in his brain. And they all three suffered the same savage Brutality. But it's like this guy, this guy that spoke 39 words, he is not going to stop his tortured talking until he gets said what he needs to say. It makes me wonder if God watching this, I believe God is weeping, not just over the physical brutality visited upon his son. I believe God is weeping because Jesus is being made to be your sin. And mine. He is bearing all the consequence, all the punishment due us for our sin. And it just breaks God's heart. But I believe all the angels in heaven, they they are just standing aghast at what humans are visiting on the one and only true and living Son of God. But I'll believe that Jesus, as he listens, that God the Father listens, 
And God cares about this crucial conversation just like God cares about every crucial conversation you have when you're hurting. I believe somehow God gives this guy supernaturally, miraculously, the strength to get through that whole sagging and pulling and speaking process, breathing and exhaling. It's almost as if God cares about every inhale and every exhale of your life when you're trying to talk to Jesus. And it, it, just, it just makes sense to me because we've all come here with our struggles. I have mine. I know what it feels to be in physical pain. I know what it feels to be in emotional pain right now. And it seems to me that God gives this man mercy so he can handle the pain. Um, I gave you the three questions, the three Jesus questions. Let me offer you three Jesus insights from the text. Here's insight number one. Angry attacks get no response from Jesus. That one guy, the, the first thief, the first criminal... He attacks Jesus. One word profanities, I don't know, but he said those eight words. He gets no response. You can shake your fist at heaven and cuss God out and shout at him. He's not going to give you the time of day because all that is is angry arrogance and self-willed pride. Insight number two. God's sustaining strength carries us. Carried this guy has carried me through even our worst struggle. It's hard. It hurts. Doesn't feel like it's ever going to end or go away, but God just keeps giving strength for every day, for every morning, for every afternoon, for every evening. And insight number three, God's mercy. We don't deserve it. God's mercy. We get it. God's mercy gets us through even the worst pain. So what's the most painful struggle in your life that you brought today? Some of you know me. You know my dad passed away two months ago. I continue to grieve him every day, and it hurts. But even more painful, I call my mom every day to try to get her through her grief. She said to me yesterday, I'm going to be grieving. She's 91. My dad was 95. She said, I'm going to be grieving for the rest of my life. That's, that's even harder than the other. My Debbie... She and I are engaged in the long goodbye. That's my struggle, my grief, my pain. You've got yours. Maybe yours is not like mine at all. Maybe yours is a relationship struggle. Maybe a lifelong dear friendship that's really gone painfully south. Or maybe your relationship struggle is in your marriage or maybe in your parenting. Maybe your struggle is financial and it's just killing you. You don't know any way out. Maybe your, your painful struggle is with an addiction. Or maybe your painful struggle is emotional. It's the anxiety, the, the depression. You go to bed with it, you wake up with it. This guy on the cross, the second thief... He had two keys in his heart that opened the door of heaven to receive strength he needed to, all the way through his struggle. The two keys in his heart, they opened the door of heaven for him to receive mercy, to endure and to persevere and to carry him through all the pain of the unthinkable, unspeakable pain. 
And what God gave him for his dying, God will give you right now for your living. If you got those two keys. Here's key number one. He confessed his guilt as a sinner. Do you remember what he said? Remember what he said? Here's the text. We are punished justly. We're getting what we deserve. We are getting what our deeds deserve. We're guilty. The most powerful words, the most powerful two words you can ever say to Jesus are these. I'm guilty. Just get flat out honest with Jesus. I'm guilty. In fact, let's just do it right now. I'll say it. You say it after me. We can practice. Might feel a little awkward, but that's okay. You won't die. Maybe you'll get struck by lightning if you don't do it. But Okay. I'll say it. You repeat it after me. I'm guilty. Okay. Let's say it now like we mean it. I'm guilty. Okay. Now, it's not just repeating it after David that makes a difference. It's saying it to Jesus. So let's just all close our eyes. So, you know, when you close your eyes, you can actually look into your own heart. You can see your own sin. And let's just tell Jesus what he already knows. I'll say it, you say it after me. I'm guilty. Something shifted. In your life, in the moment you said those two words, those two words are so powerful because they produce powerful results in our lives. Look at the promise of God's word. If we confess our sins, you don't have to confess to me, I ain't nobody. We confess to Jesus. If we confess our sins, he forgives them, fully forgives, forever forgives, past, present, and future. He forgives them, and more than forgives them, he cleanses us of all guilt and shame from everything we have done wrong. That's key number one. We just get honest with Jesus and say, Lord, I'm guilty. I pray that prayer every day because I need to be forgiven and cleansed every day. That's the first key in this guy's heart that triggers an outpouring of supernatural strength to get him through the struggle. Here's the second key. Not only did he confess his sin, he professed the absolute perfection of Jesus. Here's how he said it, just to remind you. Here's the text. This man, this Jesus, never did anything wrong in his life. The Bible says Jesus knew no sin. Jesus did no sin. This man, this Jesus, did, never did anything wrong. He is absolutely perfect. When you do a twofer with Jesus, you confess your sin, I'm guilty, and you profess his absolute perfection, a supernatural exchange occurs. Everything wrong with you is put on Jesus and everything right with Jesus, everything right with Jesus is put on you. Everything wrong, excuse me, everything bad about me, it's all put on Jesus. And everything good about Jesus, everything good about Jesus, everything good about Jesus is put on me. All our ugly, evil imperfections are put on Jesus and all his perfection, the glory and beauty, we are perfected in Christ. I lied 
about the first coupon. So you know I'm messing with you about the second. A 10%. This is a 20%. If I'm going to lie, I might as well make it big. 25% discount local tattoo parlor. Have this tattooed on your right thigh. We are not perfect. But we are perfected in Christ. We are perfected in our relationship with Jesus. He died to perfect us. Here's how the Bible says it. God put all the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. That's the message version of the Bible. Another version said, all our sin. Jesus was made, to be, he who knew no sin was made to be all our sin that we might be made right with God. So we humbly confess, Jesus, I'm guilty. He forgives us and cleanses us on the basis of those two words. And then we profess his absolute perfection. We get his righteousness, we get his goodness, and we are made perfect in him. That's how God, oh, you're perfect, you get into heaven. Not on the basis of your good behavior, on the basis of the behavior of Jesus when he died for your sins on the cross and God raised him from the dead. Well, you remember my three opening questions, my Jesus questions? Here's number one again. If you had the opportunity... What is the one request you would make of Jesus? If you had the chance with the guy, second criminal, he had the chance. He got to go one-on-one with Jesus and here's his request. Then he, the criminal, sags all his weight down on his ankles, pulls up on his wounded wrist and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, the smartest thing he did was call in the name of the Lord Jesus because by the name of Jesus, we get healed. By the name of Jesus, sins are forgiven. By the name of Jesus, peace is released. By the name of Jesus, love flows. By the name of Jesus, the joy of the Lord is our strength. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons flee. In the name of Jesus, the dead are raised to life. In the name of Jesus. He calls on the name of Jesus. But look what he says next. He says, remember. Now, biblically, the word remember is not kind of like ours, where you call something to mind. In the Bible, the word remember means that when you call a person to mind, you immediately go take action to their good. So this guy is saying, Jesus, when you think of me, immediately take action to my good when you enter your kingdom. Oh, kingdom. He's saying Jesus is the king. Not only is he perfect, but he's the king. His name is Jesus. Jesus, remember me. It's a great prayer for me to pray. Great prayer for you to pray. Jesus, when you think about me, I know you can't get me off of your mind, but when you think about me, take immediate action to my good. And so then, the ugliest part of this beautiful picture of love occurs Jesus sags all his weight down on his impaled ankles, breathes in, pulls himself up by his wounded wrists, and he speaks these words. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. That's like putting, when you see that in the Bible, it's like putting an exclamation point at the beginning of the sentence. I tell you the truth. I ain't kidding you. This comes straight from my heart. I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And I love to think about that second thief. 
I don't like to think about the first thief at all. What happened to him when his eyes closed in death? But this second guy, when his eyes closed in death some hours later, they instantaneously, just like my dad's did, instantaneously opened in paradise and in the presence of Jesus. That's a request worth making. Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Remember the second question, second Jesus question? Uh, Is there any sin in your life that would prevent Jesus from granting your one request? No, absolutely not. No, 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 uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, never, never, never. No, nada. I don't know any more languages. Just hillbilly in English. No, there is no sin in your life that would prevent Jesus. He died for your sin. You know why he forgave that guy? He was dying on the cross to forgive that guy. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says even when your sin abounds, the grace of God abounds, it superabounds. There is no way that you can outsin the grace of God. But we gotta say, I'm guilty and profess the perfection of Jesus, but there is absolutely no sin in your past, present, or future that will prevent Jesus from offering you his grace to save you. And then the third question, do you ever wonder if Jesus will allow you into his perfect heaven? He's perfect, his heaven is perfect, only perfect or I should say perfected people are allowed. Do you ever wonder about that? I mean, you know you. You know where you've been with your mouth. You know where you've been with your mind. You know where you've been with your behavior. You ever wonder if Jesus is gonna be free to welcome you into heaven? Well, let me help you answer that story by telling you another, or answer that question by telling you another story of perfect love. Do you know how uh, a young man and a young woman would get engaged in the day of Jesus, what would happen first? The fathers would get together and negotiate a bride price. It was a very costly price. It was, it would demand great sacrifice on the part of the father uh, of the groom, maybe the cost of a home. Now, just to give you spoiler alert in the story, this is actually a custom of that day, but the father The father of the groom-to-be is God the Father. That's what he represents, God the Father. The son, the son that the father is willing to sacrifice everything, the son is Jesus. And he would sacrifice his best and his most dearly loved, his own son on the cross to pay for our sins. Once the father has negotiated this costly sacrificial price, For the bride, still no engagement. Not until the young man pulls out of his robe a cup of wine and takes a drink, a deep drink, and then says, I offer my love to you. I will give my life for you. And then he waits. Still no engagement. The girl, she can push the wine away. She can get up and walk away. Or... She takes the cup, she drinks deeply. She says, I accept the offer of your love and the gift of your life for me. I offer you my love and I give my life 
for you. Now we've got an engagement. If the Father is God the Father, if the Son is Jesus, the bride is you. The bride is me. We are the bride of Christ if we say yes. And you know something? He is here right now making that very profound and personal proposal to you. Everyone, everyone in this room, he's saying to you, he is breathing over your soul. I offer my love to you. I I give my life for you. And he's waiting for you to respond. He's waiting for you to say, I accept the gift of your love. I, I accept your life given for me. And I offer you my love. And I give you my life. Now we have, a, we have an engagement, but we don't have a marriage. The marriage doesn't take place until baptism. Did you know that? Two ladies were baptized in our last services. And in doing so, they married themselves to Jesus. They accepted his proposal. Same thing happened for the Apostle Paul. Remember how the proposal was put to the Apostle Paul? Look at Scripture. The Bible says, hey, what are you waiting for? Get up and get yourself baptized, scrubbed clean of all your sins, your guilt and your shame, and get personally acquainted with God. So I want to uh, close a little uh, bit differently. Um, I'm going to pray for over you in just a moment, but after my prayer, I'm going, I'd love for any one of you to come forward. And in our interaction together, we would respond to the proposal of Jesus and, and speak back to him, Lord, we offer you. Thank you for your offer, love. We offer you our love. Thank you for your gift, the gift of your life on the cross. God raised you from the dead. You are seated at the right hand of God. We will give our lives for you, all of our lives, our finances, our relationships, our emotions. Give all of us to you. I'd like to see somebody do that today. I'll be down to pray with you. Um, If you'd like to marry your life to Jesus by being baptized, We long for that. We pray for that every weekend. And you can be the answer to our prayers today. You can say yes to Jesus. So if you'd stand with me, I'm going to pray over you. And then invite you to come to the front to accept the proposal of Jesus and respond. Would you bow with me, please? Our Father, we humble ourselves, close our eyes, look into our own hearts. Lord Jesus, just as a Church, the bride of Christ, we admit our guilt. We are sinners, fallen short of your glory, Lord. But thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood, that you gave your life on the cross, and that we have been perfected by accepting your proposal. Even now, Lord Jesus, draw people to yourself. Whisper over their hearts so unmistakably, they can't deny it, they can't resist it, they can't turn away from it, that you offer them your love that you gave your life for them. And now you're looking for somebody, anybody who's willing to say, yes, Jesus, I give you my love. I give you my heart. Lord Jesus, I, I know you pray for us. And so you're praying right now for people in this room who need to be married to you in baptism. Let them be the answer to your prayers, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.